What's up, everybody? Welcome to Building Our Power. This is Gabby. And KT. And we're back with another episode. Make sure you like and subscribe. Share this with a friend. We're back with a new episode. So, today we're going to talk a little bit about the M19 organization from back in the day. And we're going to talk about a Malcolm X quote that I think really, really should stay with us. And we're going to get started now. So, KT. Can you tell us a little bit about the May 19th Communist Organization? Of course. So um, just as a, a beginning here, you guys can definitely read about them on Wikipedia. But I'm just going to go over a few things about them. Uh, the May 19th Communist Organization was referred to as the May 19th Co- Coalition Communist Coalition, etc. From here on out, I'm just going to refer to them as May 19th. So, um, essentially, they were a U.S.-based organization um, which was formed by the members of the Weather Underground Organization. Uh, It was a group that was originally known as the New York Chapter of the Prairie Fire Organizing Committee. Um, Essentially, what ended up happening is that the Weather Underground Organization back in the day um, was having some kind of, like, infighting happening. So, um, the group, May 19th, was essentially formed. It was made up of Black Liberation Army uh, group, and then it was also made up of the Black uh, P- Panther Party as well. Uh, mostly their uh, objectives was to free political prisoners of the U.S. prisons, appropriate capitalist wealth, armed robberies to fund the third stage, and to initiate a series of bombings and terrorist attacks. Now, they have actually written a book about them. It's some white guy who's written the book, uh, but he's basically writing it in order to tell the FBI how these quote-unquote terrorists have have uh, planned all of this and things along those lines. So you can definitely look that book up. But I do want to mention some of the really awesome things that these people have done. Although they were deemed a terrorist group, um, I think that, you know, they were kind of doing the Lord's work. So... In 1979, three members walked into a visitor center at the Kling Correctional Facility for Women near Clinton, uh, took two guards hostage, and freed Ashata Shakur, a member of the Black Liberation Party. I mean, Black Liberation Army. Shakur was serving a sentence of life plus 26 to 33 years for the murder of a state trooper. So, they freed her. Wonderful. That's awesome. Um, several months later, they actually freed or they helped arrange an escape um, for William Morales, a member of the Puerto Rican separatist group. So, again, awesome for them. They're literally freeing prisoners. Uh, then if we move on, basically it, it talks about how they bombed several state buildings and federal buildings. So Staten Island, New York was a federal building, or there was a federal building on Staten Island, New York that they ended up bombing. Um, they triggered a bomb explosion in the U.S. Senate. Uh, none of these bombings that they did caused anyone to die or anything along those alarms. Uh, they really just bombed it to bomb it and to make a scene of it, essentially. Um, but if we move on, uh, what happens is, is that obviously some of these people are arrested and um, they're taken to prison where they basically serve a life sentence. But 
there is really something interesting, or at least what I thought was interesting, is that there was a woman uh, named Donna Joan Burrup, and she was arrested but failed to appear at trial, and he's currently on the FBI's most wanted list. You can actually go to her FBI most wanted list, and they have, like, this really awful, terrible um, age up of her where she's, like, old. But anyway, it's really bad. And you can see the story and what they are charging her for. And if you have any information, you get, like, $500,000. That is so crazy to me. But anyway... The whole reason behind all of us going through this and talking about this this week is because of, you know, May 19th. And so it was recent, and so we just basically wanted to go over it. And also, it was a group that was made up of majority white lesbians. So, of course, we're queer. We're communists. They were communists. They literally were uh, Marxist-Leninists. Um, they were anti-capitalism, they were anti-racism, they were anti-imperialism, anti-sexism, uh, and they did have bombings, and they, they did have some really cool stuff that did, so if you ever claim to be an ally, you need to be doing something like this. So, yeah. 100%. What do you think, Gabby? What do you think I, about these, uh, white lesbians? learned about them and i couldn't believe it now i did see a video on twitter a minute back but it was about like this white lady saying how she helped free the side of shakur and she'll do it again and how she's proud of the work that she's done i'm sure it was one of these ladies but i never really knew the story of it and it's interesting i feel like if there was some black people we would know about them like as far as just the plan to the narrative that black people are are evil or and dangerous but the fact that these were white lesbian women. I want to give it up for the white lesbians. Now, y'all ain't doing this now. No, of course but not. But these folks right here was about that life. And that's something that I really want to reiterate for anybody, whoever says they're anti-racist, whoever says they're for the cause of liberation for all people of all races and nationalities, you cannot be pussyfooting. Mm. You got to go hard in the paint like these folks would. Now, I am not getting on here saying commit a crime. Why in the world would I do that? Crime is bad. Crime is terrible. But <laughs> these folks, these people and John Brown, I feel like I can only name like five people, white people that actually was willing to give up they freedom, they lives for the doggone cause and not be scared, you know, about what might happen. So I'm definitely giving my props up to these girls and I hope that Donna Brooke girl is able to live a long, prosperous life on the run. Now, we found out something. Who was the one that now is, is like a part of the nonprofit? Susan Rosenberg. So Susan Rosenberg uh, was a part of uh, freeing Ashanta Asata Shakur. Thank you. Um, basically, from here, uh, she did actually get removed from prison by Clinton. I don't know why Clinton did that, but anyway. 
Um, she served as a vice chair of the board of directors for Thousand Currents, an organization that provided fundraising and fiscal sponsorship for the Black Lives Matter global movement. So for the Black Lives Matter organization. Ain't that interesting? How in the world you go from, like, we bombing folks, we freeing political prisoners, anti-capitalism, and now you working for them same capitalists to funnel the little two dollars that we already talked about. What a one eighty. So I'm curious, um, Gabby. So she's been in prison this all this time, right? Do you think that, like, why actually did she turn into a liberal? Now, do you think? Uh, well, I don't know personally, but I would assume that being in prison in ten years is it, traumatizing. She probably doesn't want to do anything to go back. Uh, she probably saw some things. And because she got uh, pardoned by Clinton, maybe in the uh, maybe in the little fine print, she probably has to, you know, do this type of stuff. I don't know, girl. I don't care. Do some underground and start funneling some money to the folks that's doing the work. You ain't got to be out there doing the bombs. You ain't got to be out there committing the crimes. Give it to us. And now you got that little money swirling around and just making people rich. I just want to say, like I said, props to the women that's still up in there because they didn't waver. Props to the folks still on the run. Props to all them little white women. Those are the few white women that get a pass from me besides KT. <laughs> So I guess this little episode is going to be like on revisionist history and history you were not taught about in the schools. So May 19th is important because Mark, uh, Michael Jackson, Malcolm <laughs> X's birthday, uh, Lauren Hainsbury, uh birthday. So it's a, it was a very important date. And I was... Listening to a lot of old Malcolm X's speeches, and like I, it was almost like I was at church, like I was over there shouting in my car, like yes, <laughs> that man was on point even to this day, on like ninety percent of what he was talking about. And one thing I wanted to discuss is um, the whole March on Washington thing, because just. Thinking about, like, what the way that America teaches us about the March on Washington, the way that regular black history teaches us what we teach our kids, March on Washington was the pivotal moment in America where black people and white people got together and said, this is something that we want to do. We want to get rid of racism. Martin Luther King gave one of the, uh, uh, you know, according to them, the best speeches that's ever been given, the I Have a Dream speech. We'll never hear the end that it was a wonderful time. JFK was a great president. He was for the civil rights and all of that. But the reality of the situation is not true. What? Wait. It's not true. That is not true. Revisionist history. Let's, let's talk go about to it. let's go to this speech Malcolm X gave in a message to the grassroots on November tenth, nineteen sixty three. So, just setting it up a little bit. So, a lot of stuff was going on in Birmingham. There was a lot of distress. People were getting tired. The young folks was like, we're we're fed up. The Southerners didn't want this civil rights bill to be passed. So, the the kids was like, 
we gonna march on the Capitol. We gonna march to the airport. We gonna march to the store. We gonna make sure y'all ain't making no money. We finna disrupt. We finna get to it. They was about to march on Washington and cause a ruckus. They was already getting their tickets together. Already figuring out how they need to get there. This, that, and the third. Word came to JFK that these Negroes about to go crazy. And he calls up who Malcolm X calls the Big Six. Martin Luther King, A. Philip Randolph, James Farmer, Whitney Young, and somebody else. I guess Baynard Rustin would be a part of this as well. Um, Which is crazy because there's layers. Um, so, anyway, uh, this is what Malcolm X says. So, JFK said, look, you all letting this thing go too far. And old Tom says, boss, I can't stop it because I didn't start it. I'm telling you what they said. They said, I'm not even in it, much less ahead of it. They said, these Negroes are doing this thing on their own. They're running ahead of us. And Kennedy said, well, if you all aren't in it, I'm going to put you in it. I'll put you at the head of it. I'll even endorse it. I'll welcome it. I'll help it. I'll join it. All right. And so um, they join, they make a one, they get $1.5 million to form a new coalition called the Council for the United Civil Rights Leadership. And we'll go back to that. So uh, after that, JFK literally co-ops that entire movement it makes it something that's sanitized. If you looked in the videos and stuff, there's kids there. There's old people. There's a lot of white people. And uh, it becomes what we know as today. They put a whole bunch of white people on stage to talk about whatever the hell they had to talk about. And it just was a total co-opting. Now, what does that sound like, friends? What does that sound like? What happened this summer? Mm-hmm. This summer, we had... The biggest civil rights protest in the history of American history. Everybody was at the house and saw George Floyd being murdered in real time. And it was about to be a showdown. People had started burning buildings. People were going ham. And I was for it 100%. All of a sudden. These people who couldn't even utter the word Black Lives Matter come out. And everybody's saying Black Lives Matter. Nancy Pelosi has on the Kente cloth. Uh, Every politician that's a Democrat is at these protests somehow. And folks are doing line dances. Ain't that just interesting? So what we're trying to get y'all to see is the government ain't got no new tricks. They learn something work, they're going to keep working at it. And the thing about it now is we have this wealth of information. Back in the day, I'm thinking about like, shoot, even like 10 years ago before all this wealth of knowledge online, how was I supposed to, how were you supposed to get all of this information? You had to stay at the library, have about four books together and piece information together and then spread that. Now we have the information so we don't make those same mistakes and we're still making them. So what does that mean? That means that no matter what the movement is, if the government thinks that it's strong enough to actually cause some ruckus and to shake something up, it will be co-opted. But we have to be able to 
realize what's happening and keep going and keep moving. See, right now, all the focus was put on Black Lives Matter all throughout the summer so that now any type of black organizing is kind of fell flat now. The fire has died because Black Lives Matter is under fire. Right. But every black person that's ever protest is not Black Lives Matter. So we're going to have to try it again, and we're going to have to learn from this. And um, something else that's interesting, if we go to that organization that was founded, the, uh, what's it, the, go ahead. I was actually going to say, like, uh, the way, I want y'all to go back, I want y'all to actually watch that video and listen to what Malcolm X actually says, because he's, he basically sets it up to let you know that MLK and, like, five other people were literally put on the ground and paid by the government to interrupt the March on Washington. He literally says that, like, it, with, with a whole bunch of more words. But it's interesting to me because, like you said, Gabby, we're taught in school uh, that the March on Washington was one of the greatest things. You've got uh, MLK Jr. up there doing the I Am a Dream speech. But let's be real. If the I Am a Dream speech was in a co-opted uh, movement, it's almost it's clear that the I Am a Dream speech was probably written by somebody within that administration. And or it, at least edited by. Or at least edited by. Exactly. Yeah. And so it, it's just like, that's really what it is. It's revisionist history. People are literally out here thinking that this is the truth and uh, everything that's being said is correct and, like, we just have the information. But really, like, we really, we really know nothing. We know nothing. We know nothing. And you know what this reminds me of? Because I want to say this. Um, he said the march was controlled so tight they told Negroes what time to hit town, how to come, where to stop, what signs to carry, what songs to sing, what speech they could make, what speech they couldn't make. There you go. Then hold, told them to get out of town by sundown. You know what that sounds like? Memphis. Yeah. Remember, well, for people that don't know, so in Memphis, you know, Memphis is predominantly black. In Nashville, they burnt stuff down. So, I already knew Memphis was going to go crazy yeah, last man. summer. So, what happened with us was, there, the first day of protest, it got wild. Because the Confederate people were there. And it was kind of a spontaneous thing. The police were taken out. People from all over the hood was there. And thankfully, nobody got hurt. But people was out. The police were out in wire gear and stuff like that. The next day, all of a sudden, this black man I have never seen in my life, apparently some people knew him, was just there with the blow horn and just guiding all these white people along, parading them along Bill Street. And it was very odd. And then two days later, he has this humongous group of people, thousands of people with him. And all we did was, it was a parade. It was a parade and police got it up. It was a parade. The police had everything blocked off for us. They told us where to go. And we would stop every once in a while. We'll kneel. We'll say, I can't breathe or something like that. We'd walk around Bill Streets. Uh, we walked all downtown. Did a little procession. Folks had their little signs or whatever. And uh, that was it. 
and he just kept running the show for like two weeks. And it, we came to find out he was getting paid by the MPD. So, to say that this stuff ain't going on now, it is going on and it's well, and we can see it. The, the thing about it now is, how do we fight stuff when stuff like that happens? When we see stuff is getting co-opted. We have to figure out how to get control of the narrative before it gets sanitized into this, uh, whatever you call it. Whitewashing. This um, whitewashing. And that's where the organizing comes up. If yeah. you already have a community presence, people already know who you are. When somebody else comes up there, they're not going to be as likely to follow them because y'all already got something going on at the same time. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, we're going to end it in a second. But I really wanted to talk about this Council for the United Civil Rights Leadership that was formed during that March on Washington time. So, it says, the CUCRL was an umbrella group formed in June 1963 to organize and regulate the civil rights movement. What does that mean? What you, does that mean? How do you regulate? How you going to relegate a movement? Uh, what? What? Okay, so the council brought leaders of the black civil rights organizations together with white donors in business and philanthropy. Sound like your your run of the mill nonprofit uh deal that we got going on right now. Literally. Okay. It had everybody had sneakerhead, NAACP had all that stuff. But look, by centralizing donations, the formation of the group muted disagreements over fundraising and membership. Okay. It worked to oppose tactics like civil disobedience and boycotts by controlling the distribution of funds and by virtues of connections to the media establishment. It was an organization created by the government to control all of those organizations at that time and to tell them what they can and cannot do because they held the purse. So anybody that was in that organization was held to follow anything that the doggone government told them to them. That's evil. Do you I see now why the, pe- the, the, the civil rights movement and the people that are highlighted in the civil rights movement, are first of all, we're all a part of this, hmm. and that only certain parts of, of the civil rights movement is, is told or, or heralded. So, there's a couple more things that were really suspect. Really, really suspect. Okay. So, obviously, uh, Martin Luther King sold the I Have a Dream rights to them. They started making money off of it. Martin Luther King sold the rights to the I Am a Dream speech? Yes, to the council. And they started making money off of it. So, um, after the March on Washington... Artists and Writers for Justice, a group including Ruby D, Louis Max, and James Baldwin, you know, you know, we love Baldwin, proposed the mass boycott of Christmas shopping. Okay. Because I'm, I'm guessing, obviously, they saw the March on Washington and didn't do nothing. Right. Okay. So, King and the Southern, what, S-C-L-C, I forget what that stands for, initially announced, announced support for the boycott. But soon after, the CUCRL announced its opposition. The New York Times reported that King had second thoughts on the proposal and decided to go along with the thinking of the other civil rights leaders. So, basically, he got paid off to be against it. Okay. 
Roy Wilkins said both the boycott would be impossible to organize nationally and it will be harmful to the interests of the civil rights movement. So instead of doing that, they created a little holiday gift fund so that you can give them some money. Instead of saving your money as a protest, no, y'all give us some money. Even though we already getting funded by the government, for some reason we need child money. I'm just shaking my head. Like, I'm literally just shaking my head because it's it's just crazy to me. It's so crazy to me. Like, we even go, here's the thing, you guys, me and Gabby go to museums, right? And we like going to museums. We like to read the history because that's our thing. Like, we just love learning about history. And so, it's just, it's something that's so right there in your face that you never thought that that was, I don't know, it's just crazy. Yeah, crazy. okay, we got a couple more, a couple more. They they welcome the Civil Rights Act because they said they look forward to the need of, they're not needing to be no protests no more. So apparently, the folks in there, the folks running the show, said that after the Civil Rights Act, y'all black folks won't need nothing else, okay? They opposed the affirmative action, they opposed anybody going on TV to dis- the uh, debate with Malcolm X. They uh, pushed for a moratorium on demonstrations in order to help Lyndon B. Johnson get elected. And uh, there was a whole bunch of other stuff. Y'all read this stuff. This is uh, freely available with this, uh, this thing called Wikipedia. You guys can go to it. Just read it because once you get to like learning the ins and outs, it's like dang, even Dr. King was bought and paid for. You'll find out that majority of these people were bought and paid for. Now what made Martin Luther King dangerous was when he started breaking off from these people and doing the stuff that they didn't want him to do. Yep. That's when it was a danger. He was not a danger when he was over there doing the I Have a Dream speech. And now the music is cutting me off. But I just want y'all to look at this history. And I want us to think about how we can stop this from happening for a million times. It already happened last summer. Let's stop it from happening in 2021. Okay? And one thing we have to remember is whenever the establishment, politicians, corporations start saying this is our guy, you know this is not our guy. They will never support no corporation ever would ever support Malcolm X. No politician in American history would ever support Malcolm X. Bernie Sanders wouldn't have supported Malcolm X. AOC wouldn't have supported Malcolm X. Cory Bush wouldn't have supported Malcolm X. That needs to be our litmus test. Do these people like this person who's organizing? No. Nope. Okay. Then maybe we need to listen to them. But yeah, this just sent me on a whole little tirade because it's just... There's so much, guys. If y'all like this little history episode, let us know, and uh, we'll uh, get y'all some more tea on the revolutionaries back in the day. But, uh, KT, is there anything else you'd like to say? No, that is all. All right, guys. Make sure you uh, share this episode with a friend. Hit us up on social media at Building RPWR. Hit KT up at KT underscore does art. And Gab Beats up at Gab Beats Music. And uh, we love you guys. Let's stay safe. We'll make sure to put some links to uh, those articles and some mutual aid. And we are out.